All right. Two thousand and eleven, hard to believe it's here, but it is. I can remember being a kid trying to figure out in my head how old I was going to be when 2000 got here. Because 2000 seemed like such a, you know, like a, well, not only a distant thing, but it's like, okay, what's the world going to be like in 2000? You know, are we going to be flying around in cars? Are we going to have flying cars? And yeah, here we are. Not flying yet. At least. Not in that way. Does everybody have a message guide? Anybody need one? If you need one, raise your hand and we'll get you one. Here's a couple of hands right over here. Anyone else? Well, I wanted to uh, start out the new year today uh, talking about our mission, uh, not only our mission as a congregation called Christ Fellowship, but our mission as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, last week we, we talked about these six emerging trends in, in the church, uh, which five out of six of them were really quite disturbing, um, and the first uh, emerging trend that was noted was that the people, the American public, is becoming biblically illiterate. And the only, way, the only thing we can do with that is to ask ourselves the question, why is the American public becoming biblically illiterate? And, and the, it's got to go back to the church. And we also noted that the generations born since 1964 are very biblically illiterate. And so the people that are becoming leaders in the church are speaking from a position of, of less... Knowledge of the truth, let's just say it like that. And so I feel that it's important for us as a congregation to understand some fundamental and foundational things. We can either go with the flow and say, well, that's just the culture we live in and we'll deal with it, or we can stay true to what the Scripture reveals to us and continue preaching and teaching truth and believing that there are men and women, boys and girls, who are not only hungry for the truth, but willing to receive the truth and desirous to receive the truth. You know, people will, it's kind of like an animal oftentimes will eat what it's given. A person will eat what's put before them if that's all they know that there is to eat. I mean, if you've never had a, a ribeye steak, 
inch thick, you know, grilled to medium rare, seasoned just right with a nice baked potato with a crunchy skin on the outside with sea salt, you know, and seasoned just right and a nice salad with... (laughs) Yeah, if you've never had that, and all you've ever eaten was boiled oatmeal, you might think all that there is to eat is boiled oatmeal in the world because you've never encountered anything else because that's all that's ever been put before you. And I'm convinced there's a lot of people that grow up in church or their concept of who God is is simply because that's what they've been given. They eat what's put before them. God has prepared a feast for us. I mean, the Word of God is a feast. Amen. It's not just... Now, I happen to like oatmeal. Some of you guys know I eat oatmeal every day. I love oatmeal. But I, I like stuff in my oatmeal too, you know. I put peanut butter in it and I put nuts in it and I put, you know, uh, apples and bananas in it. Um, so, you know, the Word of God, God's prepared a feast for us. And so there is a responsibility that we have as leaders in the church to to give to, to feed the people what God has provided. Amen? And so one of the things I think that's important for us as a body is, is to understand not only what our mission is as a congregation, but, but what our mission is as the church, as the body of Christ, universal. And so I want to talk about this today. We're going to start in um, Matthew chapter 28. Let's just, let's just go there to what, what we refer to as the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Let's read this scripture together. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen, or so be it. So I want to note there, I want you to note that Jesus put two statements at the beginning. He put one at the beginning of the Great Commission, and he put one at the end of the Great Commission. And he makes this statement at the beginning. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he ends with this statement. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And I want us to understand that everything we're called to be and to do as the church falls between those two statements right there. And so what did Jesus say? All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore. Why should we go? Well, he commanded us, but also because all authority has been given to him in heaven and in earth. And now we are commanded to go. And he says this, he says, make disciples. Make disciples. Disciples are made, they're not found. He didn't say go find disciples and get them to join your church. He said go make disciples. And then he said this, baptizing them. Into what? Very specific baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, baptizing them into faith in Christ. Baptizing them into 
Christ, that they would understand the object of their faith is a person whose name is Jesus. It's not just some, you know, when, when we have uh, Thanksgiving at my mother-in-law's, the Wednesday night before, we go to Martha and Tony's house and we have tin can soup. You, all got, you, got, you guys know what tin can soup is? I mean, you just get tin cans of everything you can imagine. You open it up and you put it in a big pot. It's tin can soup. I mean, you might have corn and green beans and ranch-style beans and meatballs and lima beans. I don't know. You know, it's just like can't, you just put it all in there, and it's, it's really good. It might sound gross to you guys, but, it's, but, but here's the thing. That's not Christianity. We're not called to create a tin can soup religion. We're going to put everything in there in one big pot and call it good. And we're going to put Buddhism and Hinduism and, and, and all of it. No, huh? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples and baptize them into me, into faith in me, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have commanded you. This is what he says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. I am with you even until the end of the age. So everything we do as the church falls between these two truths. All authority and I am with you. This is the mission of the church. We don't do anything outside of these two truths. Jesus has been given authority. He has commanded us to, to go, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. Until when? <laughs> until the end of the age. Until he comes again. Until there's no need to do that any longer. Until the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. Until. He, he left that open-ended. We don't determine the end of the age. We don't determine when to stop. He said go. And he'll tell us when to stop. Amen? So you must... Look at our mission. We need to look at our mission. We need to look at all things in the context which Jesus himself established, right? We don't determine the context. He determined the context. And so our mission as a church, the context of that mission has been established by Jesus Christ himself. And, and so everything we do has to be within the context that Jesus established. And there's some things I think we should note here about the Great Commission, which is our mission. Nothing in the Great Commission points to us. It says, Go therefore, make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. It all points to them. And ultimately, it points to who? It points to him. Now, that doesn't exclude us though, does it? Our involvement is, it's implied there. He's talking to disciples. Who? makes disciples. Disciples make disciples. So when he's, who is he talking to here? I mean, historically, literally, he's talking to his disciples. These were his disciples, and he's telling his disciples, go and make disciples. Go and baptize them. Go and teach them. And so there's this understanding implied that we have involvement here. 
It's inherently implied that we have involvement and that demands that we give as we have received. So Jesus told his disciples this also. He said, as you have received, so freely give. What did they freely receive? They freely received the gospel. I mean, they freely received the life of Christ, the message of Christ, the word of God. And he said, go and give. You have freely received, you freely give. So there's this understanding. All of us that are sitting here today, I don't know where you are in your faith. Maybe you don't have faith, maybe you do have faith. Maybe it's great faith, maybe it's not so great faith. Maybe you still have a lot of questions about who this Jesus is and who God is. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But obviously, there's something that's causing you to wonder, or you probably wouldn't be here today. And so, as disciples, though, this is our mission. This is our mission. And the mission presents a perspective that is forward-thinking. I mean, Jesus is saying, go. He didn't say look back. He said go. Do you, do you see what I'm talking about? The perspective presented here by Jesus is a forward thinking perspective. It's an outward focused. And a perspective that is progressive. Go. It's like he hit the start button and he, he's going to hit the finish button or the stop button. We don't have the remote control. He's got it, right? You don't get to change the channel. He put it on the channel, and he'll determine how long it's going to stay there. He turned it on, and he's going to be the one that's going to turn it off. But when he turned it off, he said go, and, and he didn't tell us when to stop. He just said go. Run. Well, how long do I run? Just run. But how long? See, we, we want to know how long. He's saying, don't worry about how long, just run. That, that was what his disciples did. We see this recorded in Acts chapter 1. When they said, but, but Lord, when is the kingdom coming? He said, don't worry about that. That's, that's in the care of the Father. You just go to Jerusalem and you wait to be endued with power from on high so that you can be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. You go and be witnesses. But Lord, when, no, don't you worry about that. You just keep going and going and going and going. Just like the Energizer Bunny, right? You just keep going and going and going and going. And that, that's not a, I'm going and going and going and going and I'm wearing myself flat out and I just, you know. No, that's not what we're talking about. That you get so consumed doing things that appear spiritual, that appear... No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about running your race, walking your walk, living your faith out. That you understand that you're not on mission just when you're here for an hour and a half or two hours on Sunday. But, but you, are, you are the church. This is your life every day. All the time, this is who you are. This is what we're called to. 
And so this mission presents a perspective that's forward-thinking, outward-focused, and progressive. Does that mean that we should never be introspective, that we should never look within ourselves? I mean, I, I personally believe that this church, for the most part, has become so self-centered and so selfish. It's all about us. I mean, everything we do is about us and how it makes me feel, whether I feel the Holy Ghost or not, whether I feel the anointing or not. It's not about that. It really isn't. See, that's being too self-centered and self-focused about how this is making me feel and what this is doing for me. That's not what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to be focused outward, looking forward, going as he has commanded us to go, baptizing, teaching, being a witness to the world around us. So it doesn't exclude introspection, but demands it. What does that mean? I mean, I I need to examine myself. I need to know who I am and what my faith is. There, There is a place for that. It's absolutely necessary. But the reason I do that, we do that, we need to know that our introspection is for the sake of the mission, for the glory of the kingdom and not our own. It's, it, again, it's about him and not about me. I need to, I need to be able to spend time and look into my heart and examine my heart for him. For his glory, for his kingdom. Because what's in my heart has an impact on how I fulfill the mission that he's given me. Amen, church? Amen. So this is our mission. The great commission. Everything we're called to do falls between all authority has been given to me and lo, I am with you. Do you believe that he's with you right now? See, I'm convinced that too much of the church doesn't believe that God is with them right now. They believe he's up in heaven waiting to come back and we're just left here. No, he's with us. This song, the very first song we sang today, can, you know it actually can be a confusing song. There is no better day coming. There is no brighter sun. You know there's some people that would fight you over that. Well, there better be a better day coming. No, the reality is if you are in Christ Right now, there is no better day coming for you. I mean, there is a day coming when this corruption will put on incorruption. Hallelujah for that. When there will be no more death, dying, tears, pain, suffering. Hallelujah for that. But the only reason that day is coming is because we are where we are right now. Because Christ is. Not he will be victorious, but because he is victorious. Not because of what he will do, but because of what he has already done. There is no better day coming. If you are in the sun, you are, there is no brighter sun coming. He is the sun of righteousness. The sun that you look at, that you got to wear sunshades for when you're driving your car, the brightness of that sun is nothing compared to the brightness of the sun that you live in. And who lives in you right now if you are born again? 
See, the way we look at life, our perspective really does matter. It really does. Are you waiting for a brighter sun one day? Are you waiting for a better day one day? Or can you see the sun that you have received? Can you see the day that you live in right now? Do you live in the day of his resurrection? I do. I'm telling you what, I've been resurrected. I was dead in sin, and praise God, he resurrected me. This body here, yeah, it'll be resurrected one day, but only because I live right now in the day of his resurrection. Only because I am resurrected in him, because old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That is not a reality I'm looking for. That is a reality I live in right now. And so do you if you have been born again by the power of God. That's the reality you live in right now. How many people out in the world know that? Not enough. How many people who come to church week in and week out and call themselves Christians live in that reality, live with that understanding? Not enough of them. We got too many people looking for a better day, a brighter sun, instead of understanding what Christ has already given them. And we should be shouting it from the rooftops. Amen. You know why it was such good news? It's called good news. It's called good news for a reason. It's not going to be good news one day. It is good news today. It's good news right now. We asked this question. Kathy asked this question today in the adult Bible study. The Thessalonians, they received the word of God with such joy. How did they receive it? Man, because they understood what they received. They still suffered persecution. They still went through all kinds of hell on earth. But they understood what they received. They understood what day they lived in. They understood the, the, the sun that was shining, not only upon them, but from within them. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, I love that scripture. The same God who spoke light out of the darkness in the first creation is the same God that has spoken light into your heart to reveal to you the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I mean, God has shown a light in your heart if you are born again today. It's brighter than the sun shining outside right now. It's hotter than the sun. It's more purifying than that sun floating around out there in the Milky Way galaxy that we're revolving around day in and day out. The son of righteousness, the son of God, he lives in you. Praise God, church. And he's called us to be on mission. So there's a simple process to our mission. And th now this is where this becomes specific to us as a congregation. And let's look at these, this process at Christ Fellowship. You remember what our mission is? What's our mission? To reach people and help them grow to become fully functioning followers of Christ. That's what we've adopted as a mission as our, as our church, as a congregation. Now, how are we going to achieve that? What's the process to our mission? Together is how we were created to function. Together is how we are created to function. We're called a body, and a body is created so that all the parts fully function together. 
In order for a body to fully function, the individual parts must come together as one. You guys get that, right? You can look at your own body and you're thankful that it's all one, right? Yeah. You didn't have to go back to your house this morning because you forgot your left hand. Oh, I'm going to need that today. No, it, it, was, it was part of you. CFC must be a body of people that is committed to fully function together. In John 17, 21, the prayer of Jesus was, Father, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one, as I am in you and you are in me, that they all may be one. Why? So that the world will know that you sent the Son. Acts 2, 44 says, Now all who believed were together. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16 talks about the body, the whole body being fitly joined and knit together. Together, connecting. Connecting is how the individual body parts of the body become one because we're connected. I mean, we can all take, we can all identify separately the parts of our bodies, hands, fingers, toes, What's that song? Uh, knees and elbows. What? How's that go? Huh? Head and shoulders, knees and toes, right? Those are all individual parts, but they're all connected together and it becomes one body. So God's created us to be connected together as one, where? In him. Read John 14, 21. Read the prayer of Jesus in John 17. Where are we connected together? Where are we one? We're one in him. Although we're designed to be connected, connecting is a choice we make. You guys realize that. I mean, you can. We can get real spiritual today, right? So, well, we're all one body in Christ. That's right. But you can choose to live a disconnected life. But we shouldn't live a disconnected life because God's intent, God's purpose is that we be together, connected as one body. Connecting is a choice we make. So CFC is committed to help people connect with Christ and in Christ connect with one another in loving and caring relationships. That, that should be the tone or the tenor of our connecting in our relationships. It should be loving and caring CFC must be a body of people that is committed to fully function together, connecting as one. How do we come to the Father? Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. We're in him. We're connected to him. We're not just in his pocket, right? And he's not just in our pocket like a lucky charm. No, we are one. There's a unity and a connection there. A sharing of life. John 15, 5, Jesus uses this beautiful picture of the branches and the vine, the vine and the branches. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch abides in the vine, so abide in me. And you see this wonderful flow of life back and forth as the vine and the branch become one life. Acts 2, 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They continued in. There was a continuing connection that ultimately caused the growth of the church to take place. The third thing is this, sharing. Together, connecting, and sharing. Sharing is what happens when we're connected together. So right now, you guys understand this, right? 
there is a flow taking place in your body. There's blood flowing, like Terry says, you know, the part of her body that was clogged was the part that allowed blood to flow from her heart to the rest of her body. And when that's clogged, there's a restriction of the flow. That's not a good thing. If you put a tourniquet on your arm real tight, guess what you cut off to the rest of your arm? You cut the circulation. In other words, there's not a flow taking place there. Do you realize that there's blood going from your heart all through your body, going down to my fingertips, and then it's going from my fingertips back up to my heart, into my lungs, through my kidneys. I mean, the body is working. It's functioning. There's a flow back and forth. There's a sharing of life that comes from this connection and this relationship. So our name, Christ Fellowship Church, our name describes a caring group of people who are together as one, connecting and sharing his life with one another. This is what a fellowship is. That's the word koinonia. That's what a fellowship is. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, John writes. So Christ's fellowship must be a body of people that is committed to fully function together, sharing life. Sharing life. See, if we see ourselves as disconnected pieces and parts, and not connected and not sharing, then that's how we're going to live. If that's our attitude, and it might not be a necessarily you've got a bad attitude, it might just be a wrong attitude. You know, you might be eating boiled oatmeal and and there might be a ribeye steak right there and you just don't even know it's there because no one's pointed it out to you. So you're just living content thinking that boiled oatmeal is what I eat every day, three times a day. And my snacks in between, guess what I have? Boiled oatmeal. So your attitude might be, that's just the way I live my life. But the truth is, We're called to be a body. There's a reason why the scripture calls us a body, a family. It likens us to a husband and a wife who become one flesh. A family who is one unit. This is what a fellowship is. This is what it should be. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. So we need to be a fellowship of people committed to share life together. Acts 2.42 through 44, it talks about them being together and they had all things in common. Now, they weren't communist, okay? They weren't socialist. They just lived life together. And they shared all things in common. It didn't mean they were all the same. They were different. There was diversity. Some were richer than others. Some were taller than others. Some were more knowledgeable than others. Some were stronger than others. Some were weaker than others. But in that diversity, there wasn't a judgment or a condemnation because one was one way and another was another way. No, it wasn't about judgment and condemnation. They had all things in common because they understood that they were a fellowship that they were, more than that, they were a body of people. And their head, who was the source of their life, was Jesus Christ. Do you realize, church, that our head, 
The one who is the source of our life is Jesus Christ. We are united under his headship. He is the head, we are the body. His life flows in us and through us. And when that happens, there's something else. Growing. We're growing together, connected. <coughs> Connecting, sharing, growing. Growing is the natural result of a caring and engaged fellowship of people. So just like a natural body, a body of people will grow inwardly and outwardly as it shares the life that is supplied from being connected together as one in Christ. So if my arm doesn't have the right blood flow, if my left arm doesn't have the same blood flow as my right arm, guess which arm's going to grow bigger? My right arm will. If, if there's a restricted flow, so the, in this connection and in this sharing, there is a, a growing that takes place inwardly as well as outwardly. It's not just about us getting big. It's about growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and of who he is and what he has done for us. And, and that we grow together. Your body grows together. Your body grows in a very systematic way. You realize that? God created it that way. It grows uniformly. If it doesn't, that's called a deformity. Your body is designed to grow uniformly so that it doesn't get out of balance. The body of Christ should be the same way. And this is why it's important for us to come together. This is why assembling as the body of Christ is important. So that we understand that we're we're all headed in the same direction, that we're all growing in the same knowledge, that, that we have this connection and the sharing of life and this interaction that's taking place. And through that, the Holy Spirit of God is causing growth to take place. Inwardly, outwardly, personally, and corporately. Amen? So CFC must be a body of people that's committed to fully function together, growing up in all things into him. I want to read this scripture to you, Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. I love this scripture. It's an important scripture for us as the body of Christ to understand. This is exactly what Paul is talking about here in this part of his letter to the Ephesians. And he's talking from verse 11 on to, uh, to the end of this chapter. He's talking about why God gave gifts, why Jesus gave gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints. Let's just begin in verse 11. Let's read this. Ephesians 4.11 He himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints. Why did he give those gifts? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. Until when? Until we all come. That word all is important there. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect, a complete man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children, immature babes, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love 
Not being children, but growing up. That we may grow up in all things, where? Into Him. That we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head. And this is what, this is, this is why we are to grow. This is the growing we're talking about. It's growing up in Him into all things. Growing up in all things, does that leave anything out? All is pretty inclusive there, isn't it? And that's a very general statement. Growing up in all things. I wonder what that leaves out. Have you guys thought about that? I mean, think about that for just a minute. What does that leave out? Surely there's something left out there. Growing up in all things. It doesn't leave anything out, does it? Well, surely he's not talking about my job. Well, surely that's not my family. Well, surely that's not the way I handle my situations. Surely that's, that's not my anger management problem. No, it's, every, it's all things. It's how you handle the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's everything. It's everything in and concerning who you are. Everything. This is why the Bible says, in all things rejoice. In everything give thanks. Rejoice always, not sometimes. Always. And again, I say, rejoice. Boy, he's pretty emphatic there, isn't he? I mean, don't you hate it that the Scripture uses words like that? Like all and everything and all things? I mean, come on, God, give me a break. Do I have to rejoice always? Do I have to be thankful in everything? I mean, there are some situations I'm just not very thankful for. But yet, as we grow up in all things into Him, you know what you learn how to do as you grow up? I mean, when you were born, how many of you when you were born knew how to ride a bicycle? No? Nobody? You didn't ride a bicycle when you were born? How many of you, after you lived a few years on this earth, you learned how to ride a bicycle? Huh, yeah. So what happened? You grew up and you learned how to do something you couldn't do before. Can you rejoice always? Some people can, some people can't. Some people can ride a bike, some people can't ride a bike. But if we grow up in all things into Him, you know what we learn how to do? We learn how to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. When we grow up into Him, when we grow up in all things into Him, you know what we learn how to do that we might not have been able to do before? Not because we didn't want to, but we, maybe we really could not do it. When we grow up in all things into Him, we learn how to give thanks in everything. You know, we talk to people sometimes as if, you know, babies ought to be born learning how to, knowing how to ride a bike. It would be ridiculous for us to expect a newborn babe to get on a bike and ride it, right? But yet we expect people to just know to do these things because the Bible says it. Right? Well, the Bible says make disciples too. That implies that there are people who are not disciples. So what we're supposed to do, make them disciples. 
That's a process, isn't it? So we shouldn't get upset just because we can't go out there and find pre-made, pre-formed, prefabricated disciples, right? Well, how come you're not a disciple? Well, no one's made me one yet. How come you can't ride a bike? Well, because no one's taught me yet. Do you know I didn't learn how to swim till I was about 13 years old? I didn't. So up until I was 13 years old, I didn't know how to swim. I didn't know how to swim while all of my other friends knew how to swim. So when I, I didn't go to the YMCA. I didn't go swimming. You know why? Because I didn't know how to swim. I'd play in the water. I could dog paddle. But I didn't know how to swim. So one day my dad took me out into Lavaca Bay. He taught me how to swim. I said, hey, I want to learn how to swim. He said, well, come on, I'll teach you. And I remember him. He's holding me out there in the water, telling me what to do. Kick those legs. Put those arms out there. Cup those hands. Pretty soon, I was swimming. Growing up, that you would grow up in all things into him. You can't give thanks in everything right now because you need to grow some more. It's not because you don't want to. You might not really, you might not be able to. But God wants you to. And so as the body of Christ, do we point a finger at someone because they can't give thanks in their situation? Or do we love them and help them learn how to give thanks? Do we help them grow and come to a place in their life where in spite of their horrible situation, their horrible circumstance, they can see that they have a reason to be thankful because there's a God in heaven who loves them, who saved them. That the day they live in is the best day they can live in. That the sun that's shining on them, there is no brighter sun than the sun of righteousness. If we don't help people grow to know those things, they won't. This is our mission, church. This isn't just about going out and saying, well, save them for the kingdom, bless God, hallelujah. That makes, let's see, how many people have I led to the Lord now? No. Huh. This is about walking with people. This is about being in a relationship. This is about connecting and sharing and growing together. <laughs> growing up in all things into him. Who is the head? Serving. Serving is how we build the body together while helping those around us. How are you going to help someone learn to be thankful? You're going to serve. What does that mean? Does that mean you're on some work calendar and you've got to be here the second and fourth? It may mean that. But it's so much more than that. Do you see yourself every day serving the mission of Jesus Christ? Do you see yourself as one serving the mission of the church? How? Most simply, it's our faith working. Our faith working where? How? In and through everything we do. Your faith working in and through you, at your job, at your home, wherever you go, wherever you are. 
in every place you are, in who we now are in Christ. Not who we will be, but who we now are. It's okay to say, hey, I'm still working, I'm still growing. No one here expects perfection. If you do, get over that. Because there are no perfect people. Well, they don't look like I do. Well, they don't sound like I do. Do you know that there are some people today who would be so offended that I'm standing up here preaching in a sweater with blue jeans? There are people that would be extremely offended who would think that I have committed almost a mortal sin because I don't have a suit and tie on. That's okay. I mean, I think they're wrong, but it's okay. I'll wear a suit and tie. I don't mind. CFC must be a body of people that is committed to fully function together, serving the church and its mission. See, it's not just about filling a spot in children's ministry or whatever where we need a volunteer. That's all part of it. We need people who will volunteer, who will be committed and faithful. We're going to have a SALT meeting at the end of this month. Servants advance leadership training for all the people who teach and volunteer and help and assist and all the people who might want to do that and all the people who are remotely thinking about doing I mean, we just want everybody to come. Let's talk about these things. Let's talk about the importance of these things. But it's not just that. It's serving the mission. You're not just serving when you're fulfilling your time on the schedule as an usher, greeter, teacher, helper. You're serving the mission all the time. And we need to begin to live with that perspective. Galatians 5.13, through love, serve one another. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom. Together, connecting, sharing, growing, serving. To fulfill our mission, Christ Fellowship must be a body of people that is committed to fully function together, connecting as one, sharing life, growing up in all things into Him, serving the church and its mission. This will not happen, or this will happen as we walk. This will happen as we walk purposefully in His grace and according to the Scripture. It doesn't happen by accident. Sometimes, you know, me and Spencer were talking about this last night. There's a healthy balance. I am saved because God saved me. I know that I did not save myself. The only, the only way I came to be saved was because God saved me. I had nothing to do with it. I was hopeless and helpless. He saved me. But now that I'm saved, does that mean I don't have a responsibility? Absolutely not. It's like we said about the Great Commission. There's something inherent in that, and it demands a response from us. So we can't say that, well, you know, it'll all come out in the wash. The Spirit will take care of all of it. No, the Spirit will work as we do what? This is is the beauty of Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. There is a working out that we participate in. So this happens as we walk purposefully in His grace. It doesn't happen apart from His grace. It doesn't happen apart from His power. But it happens as we purposefully walk 
Jesus didn't say, go find the disciples I made. He said, go make disciples. That means we're going to walk with people. We're going to share life with them. We're going to cry with them. We're going to laugh with them. We're going to participate and take part in their life. And, and they will our life as well. I know that's scary for some of you, but it's the truth. We can, we can look. We can look at all the ways this is not happening. And this is what a lot of people out in the world are doing. They're looking at the church and saying, man, that is not what I want to sign up for right there. And you know what? I don't blame them. Because we have done a horrible job of showing the world who Jesus really is. So we can look at all the ways it may not be happening or we can purpose to live in a way that we are fulfilling our mission together Connecting, sharing, growing, serving as one body, intentionally walking out our mission in Christ. Intentionally walking out our mission. When you walk, do you always walk with intention? I bet you do. I mean, if you're watching, guys, if you're watching a football game and you're thirsty, you get up. And you intentionally walk to the refrigerator to get something to drink. Girls, if you're watching your favorite chick flick and you're hungry, you get up and you intentionally walk to the kitchen to find that box of chocolate or whatever it is that you might be wanting at that moment in time. Why do we not understand that as the church we're to walk intentionally? Why do we have this attitude? Well, you know, it doesn't matter. The Spirit will just do it. God will just do it. God's never called us. You know, remember I go back to what I talked about last week. Chronic flakiness. Let's stop being chronically flaky in the church. And let's understand that God saved us for a purpose. He put us on this earth for a purpose. We're to walk with purpose. We're to walk intentionally. We're to grow intentionally and with purpose. Grow up in him, in all things, into him. Go to Matthew chapter 23, and I'm closing with this scripture. We need to stop majoring on the minors and start getting down to the things that are truly important. Here's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. That same challenge comes to us today. We as the church have minored. We've majored on the minors. It's not that a lot of the things that we've focused our time and attention on are necessarily wrong or should be left undone. But justice and mercy and faith. That word faith right there is huge. It speaks to something very specific. 
Justice and mercy speak to something very specific. There is no justice outside of Christ. He is the one who has paid. he's, He's brought justice. There is no mercy outside of Christ. We find justice and mercy in him. We find it by faith, through faith. This is our mission, church. Between all authority, and I am with you always, is everything we have been commanded to do. This is our mission. It won't happen accidentally. It's got to be something we purposefully and intentionally walk in. And we can't do that ourselves in our own strength and our own power. It's only by his grace and by the power of his spirit that we can and will do that. Amen? Amen. So we're going to start here, January 2nd, 2011. And we're going to go from here. And my intent is that as a congregation, that we come into a unity of vision that we come into a unity of purposeful and intentional walking out these things, that we will not be a congregation of biblical illiterates, that we will understand that there is more to this gospel than just the quality or the condition of my life here on this earth, how much fun I am or am not having. I mean, I'm all about having fun. You guys know me. I love a party better than anybody. But we find our happiness in him, our joy in him, our total and complete fulfillment in him. Amen? In him. Let's all stand. Brother Jeff? Yes, sir. Could I say something right quick? Just real quick, Ron. Okay. Okay. As it's to a lot of say, I appreciate all your messages for last Sunday and this morning. To me, been the most meaningful ever. And I want to say, when I, brothers and sisters, when I make the Monday night prayer meeting, which I'm near, near as faithful I should be, I'm the only guy. There are just a very few faithful sisters here Monday night. It should be a full house. That's the most important thing we do. And then the Lord sends us out. And Sunday afternoon at 4. I pray for the persecuted. It's only me. It should be a full house. You know, if one of our brothers and sisters here was in prison and tortured for loving Jesus, often we lift them up in prayer. We're, we're supposed to. We put one part of the body suffering, all the parts suffer. And I'm behind them. I knock on doors. But most Saturdays, I'm out knocking on doors. And... Anybody want to join me, you're, you're more than welcome. And say, I love y'all. And let's get our job done here and go home. You know, the thing is, uh, prayer is something, if you can come on Monday night, come on Monday night. But don't let Monday night be the only time you pray. Right. And don't let Saturday morning be the only time you witness. And I know it's not for Ron. But what's more important is how we live our life every day, where we live our life. Amen?
And if we'll begin to see that, that this is our life 24-7. You know, I, I, I wear, I'm on call right now for the police department, so I, I have to carry a pager with me. When I'm on call, I keep that pager with me all the time because I'm on call 24-7. <coughs> you are in Christ on mission 24-7. It's who you are. Amen. And don't see that as some thing you have to grudgingly do. Embrace it and find the joy that God wants you to find in it. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the salvation that you've given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father God, I pray today for each and every one here. Lord, especially those who would count themselves as believers. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds. That you would speak to us. That you would encourage us and help us grow up in all things, God. We can't do it apart from you, but it won't happen accidentally either. We thank you, Lord, that you love us enough, Lord, to help us grow up. Father, we just pray today as we leave this place that we would leave this place understanding who we are and what we're called to, that we would embrace that and find our greatest joy in that. And we're just so very thankful, God, that you loved us, that you poured out your mercy upon us in Christ Jesus, and that you saved us, Lord. It is the free gift of God, and we thank you for that gift that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. If you're here today, and maybe you don't know Jesus, but you would like to find out how to know him, you come talk to me right now. Or if you're here and you need prayer, maybe something going on in your body, in your life, you want prayer and agreement concerning, come and let us pray. If not, God bless you. Have a great day and Happy New Year, everybody.